The reading comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 21 through to chapter 6, verse 9. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing, her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. This is the word of the Lord. It's not often that both the ABC and the Sydney Morning Herald quote Bible passages. Uh, but the passage that was just read for us by Nat has been quoted by both recently. Why? Well, the contention is that there is a strong link between biblical insistence on authority and submission in marriage and one of the terrible blights on our society, domestic abuse. One writer in the ABC said it's widely accepted by abuse experts that evangelical men who sporadically attend church are more likely than men of any other religious group and more likely than any secular men to assault their wives. That is a heavy contention, isn't it? Uh, so what are the ABC, SMH, su suggesting is done with this passage of Scripture? A counsellor was quoted as saying this, anecdotally teachings of a headship 
has been seen to be contributing to the problem of domestic violence, both in encouraging abusive male partners and preventing female partners from challenging abusive behaviours or leaving an abusive relationship. So, so, so one of the suggestions I take is that we grab our Bibles and our scissors and cut out this passage. As a church, we have to take domestic abuse really seriously. I've said to women on occasion, I will go to the police with you to report this. This is an area we take really seriously. But I have to tell you, domestic abuse doesn't flow from this passage we've just heard. I'll come back to this later, but I think domestic abuse is an impossible application of this or any other scripture from the Bible. The the problem is in the misuse of the Bible. And may, may I just say, this isn't the case in marriage. This is the case in how we, uh, this isn't a case of, of, of marriage per se. This is, this is more of a case of how we apply submission and authority in different contexts. Uh, this sermon is not about marriage. It's actually about the broader issue of submission. Um, in this time of recommitment uh, to one another as a church, I think if we misunderstand submission, I don't think we can be the church that God calls us to be. So today I want to raise with you three surprises as we read this passage together. The first surprise is that we are all called to submit, not just some of us, all of us. Uh, Secondly, the primary submission that we're called to is a submission to our Lord Jesus Christ. All responses to and from roles of authority are related to our submission to him. And thirdly, any biblical role involving authority and submission is more of a dance than an organisation chart. It's more of a dance than a chain of command. Let me go through each of those three surprises with you. The first one is that we all submit. Uh, It'd be great if you had your Bible open to Ephesians 5. Uh, Ephesians 5 says this, verse 21, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are all to submit. So so it's important that we ask, well, what is submission? Uh, New Testament lecturer Lionel Windsor says this, submission in the New Testament is a voluntary act. The word literally means ordering yourself under. Uh, Submission is not ever forced on you. It's about willingly yielding to another person within a rightly ordered relationship. Uh, Normally the order of the relationship in question involves some kind of authority. Okay, so we're all to submit. We're all to order ourselves under someone else. Uh, We all need to voluntarily put ourselves under the authority of another. I guess the most obvious question is, well, who? Who am I to submit to? The answer is in a little phrase in that verse that comes up regularly in the New Testament and regularly in Ephesians, the phrase, one another. That is another way of saying we are to submit to others in the body of Christ, others in the church. Uh, There are general ways that we're to submit and there are more specific ways. Generally, we're to submit to one another when we, like chapter 4, verse 2, Uh, calls us to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing one another in love. 
you can't do that. You can't be humble. You can't be gentle except by putting the, the other person first. Uh, we submit to each other generally when we choose to, like 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. You can't prefer the needs of someone else without a process of submitting. These controversial verses that come up next in Ephesians 5 about marriage cannot and must not be ripped out of their original context. Instead, we remember that this passage is entirely consistent with all that has come before it in Ephesians. Uh, for example, submitting to one another stems from being fulfilled by the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. In other words, part of the work that God's Holy Spirit is doing, God the, God the Holy Spirit is doing, is ordering our relationships rightly. Uh, part, part of the language of faith is serving one another. Uh, God's uh, Spirit fulfills His purposes in Christ by making us new people who know and love and live for Christ more and more. As He does this, one of the results is that we submit to one another. That's not something we do naturally as humans. And, and we need God's help. And God helps us through the gift of his spirit. Friends, we end up in a really dangerous position, in an unbiblical position, when we claim that there are only some categories of people who should always submit and other categories of people who should always be submitted to. That's a dangerous and an unbiblical idea. It's dangerously out of line with the rest of the book of Ephesians. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I am a husband in a relationship of headship and submission. I'm a father in a similar role uh, of authority. And yet I'm often in the position of submitting to the authority of others. And I'm always under the authority of Christ. Uh, we all have an equal status in Christ. Having those positions of husband and father doesn't make me better or more important or above submission to others because in all other kinds of ways, I'm submitting to others. For example, Lynette is the team leader of our primary school kids club, Feast. Now, I know that she's going to do this now because I've mentioned it in her sermon, but just say she rings up and says, Tom, one of the leaders can't come tonight. Can you come and lead the Year 5 Boys Bible Study Group? I'd say, yeah, of course, I'd be delighted, Lynette. Uh, so when I go to feast, who is the boss there? It's not me. My leadership hats don't work in that context at feast. Lynette is the boss. I, I lead the Bible study when she asks me to. Uh, she says, can you wrap it up now, Tom? I wrap it up because she's the boss. She says, can you help pack up the chairs? Yes, boss, I say, without a hint of sarcasm. In that situation, it's absolutely right that I submit to Lynette. She's the one responsible for the team. She's the one responsible for the run sheet. Uh, she's the one for the, responsible for the spiritual welfare of the kids week in, week out. There, she's in the role of authority. I'm in the role of submission. Now, there are teams across the church that this, have this kind of structure. It's just how teams work. And so we submit in specific ways as well as in the general attitude of submission that I covered earlier. Now, of course, Jesus submitted too, didn't he? He submitted as a son. That's the word that's used when he was found uh, in the temple as a child. Uh, he submitted uh, to his human parents and went with them, 
when they travelled away. He, he also submitted to the disciples, particularly he submitted to Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, washing his feet, knowing what he knew. Now, of course, the more uh, general example of submission is his death for us, as it says in Philippians 2. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider a God, a quality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So friends, the first surprise here, the first surprise about submission is this. It's not just one group or one person that is to submit in Christian relationships. All of God's people submit in general ways of serving others, putting others first, and all of us submit in various forms of authority. The second surprise we come to is this. Submission is not in the first place about the person we're submitting to. Submission in the first place is about our attitude towards God. Yes, that's right. I haven't moved past verse 21. Have a look at it again. Uh, verse 21. Submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. The why of submission flows from our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. Jesus' authority and position towers over the book of Ephesians. It towers over the whole of the New Testament. In fact, the New Testament testifies to this. Everyone is a slave to someone. You are either a slave to Jesus or a slave to sin. You're either a servant of Jesus or you're a servant to the power of sin. Uh, listen to the position of Christ's in the Apostles' Prayer in Ephesians 1. It's just so huge and magisterial, the picture that we have of the reigning Jesus Christ. This is what Ephesians 1 says, Ephesians 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and, he of, and, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, which who fills everything in every way. Uh, when we know this of Jesus, there is no one that we can submit to with more reverence than to the reigning Lord Jesus. And it's this reverential fear of the awesomeness of Jesus that drives our submission to one another. Uh, when I'm behaving with appropriate knowledge of Jesus, I don't put myself first, I put you first. When I'm revering Christ, I'm determined to put you first, not in the first place for your sake, but actually in the first place for his sake. Now, I don't expect the writers of the Sydney Morning Herald or the ABC to get this, but my submission to you is something I do so that I honour Jesus for who he, he is as he rules the world now.
we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, of course, this will come no, as no surprise to you, but there are three authority relationships that uh, different forms of submission specifically included here in the passage. And I want you to just notice each of these uh, uh, roles. The, the Lord is involved in your submission in each of these roles. Firstly, you say it with wives in verse 22, 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. You notice it also in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Secondly, you say it with kids. Uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? For this is right. Notice it. it's not submission, but here the stronger word obey. Uh, and that's the case for the third group, servants or slaves. See it's set there in chapter 6, verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Uh, see it in verse 6 too. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as, uh, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. You see, in each of those cases, each of those roles of submission, one eye is always on the reigning king, Jesus Christ. What makes submission to Christ easier is what we know of Jesus, that Jesus submitted himself to death for our sake. As Mark 10 reminds us, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Ephesians doesn't mention it, but we're also called to submit to government, government authorities, like uh, uh, Romans 13 is an example. And I mention this to you because recently it has been more challenging to submit to government. Uh, and yet we submit to governments within limits, don't we? If they want me to wear a mask, I'll do it. If they want me to stop speaking about the truth of Jesus, then we've got problems, don't we? Uh, the same goes for being under authority of a husband or a father. We serve them as we do the Lord, but there are limits. We serve them as we do the Lord until they call on us to serve them in a, uh, in a way that is at odds with serving Jesus. What are those limits? Where are they? I honestly think that is where wise brothers and sisters in Christ help us. Uh, that's where we as the body of Christ have to help each other and take responsibility for each other's situation. And because the lines are so, so often blurred here. The principles are clear and the lines are a little bit more blurred. So friends, this is the second surprise about submission. Submission is not in the first place about the person we're submitting to. Submission in the first place is about our attitude towards God in Christ. Now, the third surprise is this. Submission is less about personal dominance, is less about chain of command, and it's more about a dance of values. Uh, with those in, in authority, understanding uh, and undertaking the substantial responsibilities entrusted to them, 
there will be this dance of values between those in authority and those submitting. It's a mistake to think of this passage as the submission passage because look at the kind of responsibility that comes for each of those three roles in authority, the husband, the father, and the master. These are serious responsibilities. These are serious callings. Uh, As such, uh, the one who has the authority and the one who is in the situation of submission uh, becomes like uh, this dance between the responsibilities of each as they seek to serve one another. Let's have a look at the the three roles in authority and then we'll see how this dance plays out, uh, particularly in marriage. Uh, Firstly, uh, verse 25, chapter 5, verse 25. uh, See the responsibility that is placed upon husbands here. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Verse 28, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Husbands, you must love your wives. How? In the same way that Jesus has loved the church. Husbands, remember chapter uh, 5, verse 1 from last week, uh, the way that Jesus loved us. I'm going to suggest that you have a look at 5.1 and place your name in there, husbands. Uh, Let's have a look at it together. Uh, Verse 1, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as husband loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Husband, does that sound like you? Is that a picture of how you are towards your wife? You'll recognize that this is an exhaustingly high calling. It's impossible to celebrate the fact that you have a wife who submits to you when you recognize the high calling on your time and your energy that is required in the service of your wife. That's husbands. Fathers, we come to uh, (laughs) the most quoted verse in my household. Even the dog knows this one off by heart. Only the first bit, not the second bit. Have a look at uh, fathers. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Kids know how hard it is to obey their parents. Right? You experience this, right, kids? Uh, Fathers know how easy it is to exasperate their children. Let me just give you eight categories of exasperation, uh, the way that fathers exasperate their children. Uh, Making and breaking promises. Uh, Discipline that is crushing or inconsistent or without evidence or that comes from fury or that comes from unrealistic expectations. Uh, Incessant nagging. Uh, Qualified love. I will love you if... Or love that shows favoritism to one child over another. Uh, Number five, embarrassing children in front of friends, their friends or yours. Being one thing at home and another thing in public. Never saying sorry. 
never spending enough time with them. Uh, so as with husbands, Christians fathering, uh, uh, fathers, uh, this fathering comes with a substantial responsibility. This is not easy, right? As we seek to avoid exasperating the children and bringing them up in the Lord. What a substantial responsibility that comes with that. You'll see that for masters too. Uh, chapter 6, verse 5. This is how they're to treat their slaves. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. That is, masters, judgment is coming. And if you've threatened your slaves, you will get no special treatment from the risen conquering king who sits on the judgment throne. So each of those roles of authority are given a particularly high standard to reach uh, for in their use of authority in that role. And so what results from this is what I call a dance between those in loving, caring authority and those in loving, caring submission. Let's take marriage, for example. Husbands are to take the initiative to love and give themselves for their wives. Actions, attitudes, every day. For Jesus cares for his church, uh, uh, doesn't he? Uh, and of course, the church is perfect, isn't it? The church gives uh, uh, Jesus no cause for disappointment or shame or sadness. <laughs> of course, I'm being sarcastic here. Um, now, your wife might be a pleasure to serve and love. She may not be. But husbands, that's an irrelevance in your responsibility, your care for her. So while he's trying to give his time and energy to loving his wife and putting their family first, she is seeking to love him and submit to him. She is seeking to make it easier for, for him to carry out his role. She's encouraging him, him in every initiative that he's making in love, loving and giving. She's seeking to build him up and not tear him down. And so it ends up being this dance of values between the husband's responsibility and the wife's responsibility. Let me just give you a, a silly example uh, for an illustration of an important uh, point. Uh, the husband wants to go on holidays to the beach. Uh, the wife doesn't like the beach. She likes the mountains. Now, the husband is to lead and the wife is to submit. The husband is to love like Christ. So the wrong thing to happen here is for the husband to puff out his chest and say, submit, obey to me, we are going to the beach. Even if it worked, that's evil behaviour. It's against all the principles that are part of his authority. What happens instead is this, that there's a dance of values. She recognises that it would be great for him to go to the beach because he loves the beach and that's his happy place. And she's urging him that they go there. Uh, but she recognises that would be for his good. And he knows that she hates the sun and the sand, so he doesn't want to put her, her through that again. And he's online uh, searching up for mountain places that they can stay in that might work. See, they're working this out in love. You see that dance between their values, their principles. Um, now, hopefully they end up going away because it takes longer, right? Uh, this dance of values can take longer, uh, 
It's a bit like the joke. Uh, what's the, four, uh, the slowest thing on four legs? It's two Christians trying to get through a door. You know, you go. No, no, you go. Uh, but you see, that's part of what this dance is in serving one another. That's part of what this looks like. As he is trying to love and care and she is trying to serve well. Let me say, husbands, look to Jesus as your model for loving authority. Love like the man who, though he could calm storms at a word, didn't lord it over people like he could have done. But he went to the cross as a sacrifice for their sin. Be that guy. Just indulge me for a moment and let me make this really, really clear. Husbands, it is impossible to justify using your authority in, manage, uh, in marriage to harm your wife. It is impossible. That's an impossible application. That does not please God. And it is a complete misunderstanding of this passages, uh, this passage and any passage like it. Uh, former Archbishop Davies was quoted in the media uh, when this storm erupted. Uh, and he said this, submission is never coercive. It's always voluntary. So the wife offers herself in that relationship. It becomes dangerous, uh, Archbishop Davies says, when in a marriage the husband overreaches and manipulates the woman. It's not submission that's gone wrong. It's the husband that has gone wrong. Um, Archbishop, uh, Archdeacon Cara Hartley pointed out that when we get this right, it's a beautiful picture. Uh, she said, um, but actually, when they're put together, a woman's voluntary willing submission to her husband in his loving sacrificial care of her, there's a beautiful picture there. And brothers and sisters, in, in, in the marriages of our church, we're going for this beautiful picture, this dance of values. And we have to help each other get this right here because it's hard. The principles are clear, but, but in practice, the lines are blurred. We've got to walk in wisdom together. We've got to walk in God's wisdom together and recommit to being the body of Christ. For as the apostle said, uh, this is not so much about marriage as about the church. So friends, there is a great surprise here in these verses. Now we can't expect the ABC or the Sydney Morning Herald to understand the nature of authority and submission. But as Christ's body... We're not just to understand submission and authority, we are to live it out. Remembering that we are all to submit to each other, uh, we all are all to love both generally and specifically, putting ourselves out, putting ourselves under those who lead us. Secondly, we're to submit and use authority given out of reverence for Jesus. And thirdly, we willingly engage in this dance of values that comes in situations of authority and submission. Uh, with those in authority understanding and undertaking substantial responsibilities entrusted to them. And those under authority willingly submitting and making that task easier. Friends, I, I hope this has been a valuable time for you in Ephesians 5. Uh, we need God's help here. Uh, so let me lead us in prayer. Uh, dear Father in heaven, we, we pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us 
with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Establish and ground us in love so that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So motivate us in the risen Lord Jesus that we would both submit and carry out authority given in a way that would honour him throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.